0: We were just kind of analyzing like, that didn't feel right.
1: Yeah, like it was fun, but it didn't have us excited to do it again. And so, you know, we're like, okay, what is it that we want and what would get us excited about this? Welcome
2: to Normalizing Non-Monogamy, the podcast where we interview incredible people from across the entire spectrum of non-monogamy to hear their fascinating stories. We strive to bring guests on the show who have a healthy approach to non-monogamy. However, it's important to remember that everyone does it a little bit differently, and the views and opinions expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect our own.
3: Additionally, we produce this show for entertainment purposes only. Please be aware that we aren't doctors or therapists. Consult a medical professional for anything regarding your health that you might learn about on the show. Enjoy! Welcome to episode
2: 160, we're Finn and Emma, 160. Man, we're close to 200.
3: Oh, you startled me there. <laughs> you freaked me out. It's not Halloween.
2: Oh, man. Today, who do we have an interview with?
3: Krista and Brendan.
2: We do. They they run a blog called Polly in Place. They also refer to it in this episode called as Pip, and we just wanted to make sure that that's clear.
3: For anybody who didn't catch that octave, that was Pip. <laughs> and for those of you, that's Pip. <laughs> Anyway, should we start? Over? No, we shouldn't start over. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, as we were trying to say, this isn't actually a fantastic interview. Krista and Brendan are fantastic. Their blog is fantastic, and uh, they've been together. Uh, really since high school. They met at, in high school band camp.
2: <laughs> yes, they did.
3: And they've been exploring m- variety of non-monogamy for the last few years. And it's really just a, a fantastic story. And we're really, really excited to get out there. And really excited to get their blog out there. So definitely go check it out. There are links in the show notes uh, to that. So thank you to uh, them for being here and for sharing their story with us.
2: Before we jump into the show, we do have a couple of quick announcements, as we usually do. The first is that we uh, were trying to put together voicemails, uh, collaboration episodes for Christmas and for New Year's. And we didn't get enough, quite enough recordings sent to us for Christmas. So we're going to put them all together into one episode for New Year's. So what we need from you please we still
3: this, need more is to
2: send us a voicemail you can go to our website normalizing click on the contact us button and there's a little thing there that you can leave us a voicemail and we'd love to hear from you a blooper it can be non-monogamy related or not but it or sexually related or not but a blooper and then also what was the best thing that happened to you in 2020 because it's been a rough year and we'd love to hear what the best thing to you that has been has happened
3: so if you're thinking well i don't need to do this because everybody else did well you are wrong (laughs) (laughs) not everybody else did so we would love to have you share this we're going to put these together anyway we have a handful of them and they're fantastic so uh thank you in advance to everybody who sent them in and who's about to stop this and go send them in right now
2: yes and then come back and listen uh also we have our next virtual meet and greet is scheduled for saturday January, not Dece- December.
3: This January.
2: <laughs> Saturday, January 16th,
3: 2021.
2: Yes, 2021. Woohoo! And uh, it's going to be at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern. So we're going to change it up and try an afternoon meet and greet this time.
3: Yeah, 9, maybe like 9 p.m. GMT.
2: Something like that.
3: I don't know. Should have <laughs> looked that up before I started talking like an idiot. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, part of the reason we're doing this is so the East Coasters don't have to stay up super late and the Europeans can join us. Yes. So, we hope to see you all there.
2: Also, for our Patreon community, we have a QA and men's and women's group calls in January. We'll be announcing those dates soon. Um, and we also, for our $5 nut patrons, are doing a fun Christmas game night. So, if you're inter- on Christmas night. Yeah, on Christmas night. So, if you're interested in joining for that, go to our website, nonmonogamy.com, click on the Patreon button, and you can get all the details.
3: And we're super excited for that. We did one uh, right after Thanksgiving and played games and did trivia and all sorts of stuff and it was just a great way to bring the community together over the holidays so we're excited to do it again and thank you to all the patreon supporters
2: yes and now
3: now we just need to tell people go over to our website
2: normalizingnonmonogamy.com
3: and you can find all the things you could ever want you've got show notes for every show you've got pictures of a lot of our guests you've got ways to join patreon you've got ways to join the meet and greet and even better yet you can reach out to us and tell us how much you love emma and finn yep we save those we frame them (laughs) We, we print them off on cardstock and frame them we do
2: love hearing from all of our listeners so please reach out we'd love to hear from you and have a wonderful holiday week
3: and thank you for listening and enjoy this interview with kristen brendan let's go Welcome to the show, Krista and Brendan. We're excited to have you here. Reached out a few months ago because you uh, recently launched a new blog and it looks fantastic. I was oozing over your website uh, and, yeah, for uh, sure. <laughs> loved it. So thank you for reaching out and we're excited to have you here to share your story. Do you uh, mind introducing yourselves, please?
1: Yeah, thanks for having
3: us. So what to say? <laughs> oh man, we have a lot to cover. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so we are a couple of 30-somethings living in the Bay Area. We've actually been together since high school. We met at band camp, so that is our origin story.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We've also been finding as we get older and older, that reference is kind of landing less. (laughs) So,
3: Not many people know that one yeah <laughs> no
2: we actually both went to band camp we and
3: one of us played the flute so yeah
2: oh, no. <laughs> that's true
3: Emma, by the way so for yeah for anybody who has no idea what we're talking about i don't know google band camp flute american pie
1: <laughs> yeah. <I don't> know.
3: <laughs> and then go watch a classic
1: i still feel like people within our generation like Get that
3: reference, <laughs> I think yeah. so. I think so, but man, it's crazy to think that there's a whole generation who doesn't. I know, right? <laughs> and that that movie is quote unquote a classic. I don't know if I would call it a classic or not, but that's geez, that's old. All right, thanks for <laughs> <you're too old. laughs> so you met at Bandcamp. And I mean, was Bandcamp just full of polyamory and shenanigans, or or how did things progress from Bandcamp?
1: So it was actually a long time before we got into non-monogamy and polyamory. So we met, this would have been 14 years ago. That was that was the band camp. And we were living in Arizona then. We were young. I was just turning 16, year 17. And so we'd started dating. He was actually interested in my friend at band camp. That was the the person he was trying to hook up with, but ended up with me instead. <laughs> <laughs> ended up <with> <laughs> I, I think
3: it, he settled, he settled for 15 years. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I, I think it worked out though, but yeah. And then after, after high school, we ended up moving to the Bay area and I, I started college. He was working full time. We, we sort of supported each other through school. So I went to school first. He was taking some classes part-time, but mostly just working to support us. And And then we ended up Swapping roles. But fun fact is that when I was in college, I actually took a freshman English class with Janet Hardy, the uh, co-author of The Ethical Slut, had no idea who she was at the time. She did her master's in creative writing at the school that I went to and wound up teaching there, I think, for a semester or two afterwards. And and so I had her in class, didn't know who she was, ended up taking human sexuality course a couple of years later into my college education. And we were watching a documentary, and I don't remember what it was. It was probably kink-related. And I see her in the documentary. I was like, I had her for for my freshman English class. And now I'm seeing her in this documentary about sex and kink. And it was at that point that I started to put together who she was, but even, even then was still too, was not quite ready for jumping into non-monogamy yet. We had always kind of been curious about it, I'm I'm bisexual, and Brennan was actually the first person I ever came out to. So when when we were still in in high school, I told him that I was bi, and and it was kind of this fun little secret that we shared. But didn't really know how to like incorporate that into our relationship. I mean, we were we were young and had never really seen any models of non monogamy that was something that that we were looking for and so it was just kind of always this fantasy to like have threesomes and and you know didn't really know what existed beyond that and and so it was always something that was part of our relationship from early on but in in more of a fantasy way and and we didn't really know what to do with that in until much later
3: yeah so the conversation was there maybe the the low level foundation was there but not Anything where you're like, how do we actually do it? Yeah. 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 There was an interesting like wall
0: there because we would have conversations about like, oh, who do you think is cute on the dance line? And like, and these, you know, very open conversations that didn't feel threatening or anything, but there was just, you know, like, like Krista said, there was no model for us to be like, oh, it's very easy to make that transition into right whatever the actual physical stuff is. Yeah. Right.
2: So, like, it sounds like you knew a little bit about like non-monogamy existed, as of some, but it wasn't necessarily modeled for you or anything like that growing up.
1: Yeah, yeah. So we wound up, we did have a couple of threesomes in our like late teens and early twenties that we just kind of like fumbled through. We didn't really know what the hell we were doing. They were, they like weren't planned at all. They were just kind of these like situations that we found ourselves in where we're like, okay, I guess we're doing this, and and didn't know the etiquette, didn't know like how to follow up with people afterwards, just like didn't know how to communicate about it between each other and, and the other person. And so like, they were definitely fun experiences. But also, we didn't know how to make that happen beyond just these like one off experiences. So we had had that kind of like as our very beginning experiences, but didn't really do anything after that until years later. It was right around 2014 that I started listening to Dan Savage regularly. So, I listened to his podcast every week and and it wasn't until then that I started to understand like what polyamory and non-monogamy look like in practice, um just through the people calling into his show and and the advice that he was giving and it was it wasn't until then that I started to even wrap my mind around what that looked like, you know, in within a successful relationship. I don't know when when that started like clicking for you.
0: Well, I think, and um, the problem is too is you know, Krista was going to school full time, and I was working full time. And then when she got her master's, I ended up going. You know, then I was going to school full time. I was still working full time. And there was it was even if we were having these stops, there was still this matter of like when, you know,
2: yeah. Like your bandwidth for those extra relationships or exploring wasn't there.
0: Yeah, you only have so many hours in the week, and you're talking eighty of those are taken up by work and school. It's like, you know, yeah. I, I would love to explore this, but you know, you know, just we didn't know how to even make that work.
1: Yeah, time was definitely our biggest enemy. I think for a long time, just not really having enough time to be able to even sit down and have a conversation about like what would this even look like, and so yeah, it did just kind of remain this like fantasy of ours for for a while. So then we got married in 2016. Shortly after that, we ended up moving in with somebody who is kinky and poly slash non-monogamous. I don't know what they quite identify as, but that was our first
2: like real exposure to it. And that was, you were moving into the, with them as a roommate. Was that correct? Yeah. 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 (laughs) Thanks for clarifying.
1: Mm
3: -hmm. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We just decided to, we just moved in with our partner. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: So moving in with them was kind of an eye-opening experience just to see what that really looked like in practice. We didn't know at the time that we were moving in that they were non-monogamous, but then, you know, that information started coming out, you know, just as as you get to know somebody that you're living with.
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, they also did mention it. Like when we, when we were kind of interviewing him and like looking at the place, he's like, Oh, just so you know, like um, in his uh, former room or their former roommate was there too. And talking about just, you know, you know, I'm dating like more than a few people and they all, but they all know about it. It's fine. Like I'm not cheating. And then they didn't mention the kink stuff at all. (laughs) So that was definitely a culture shock for the first time that was going on, you know, 20 feet
3: from our door. <laughs> As he's moving in, there's like a St. Andrew's cross and all sorts of like, Oh, oh well. much, much worse than that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they, they, they completely built this, a, a rig in their bedroom, like full wooden. It was like scaffolding. It was, it was a whole thing.
3: Wow. Wow. I think here's what I'll say. I think like amazing, but like, if you're going to disclose the um, mundane fact that you might be dating multiple people, I like maybe disclose that you're going to build an entire infrastructure in your, in your like, <laughs> that would be my thoughts.
2: Well, like, yeah, because who knows what sounds and noises you guys <laughs> might be hearing and it might worry you. Like. <laughs> yeah. It was definitely an
1: interesting kind of revelation when we, when we figured out like, Oh, this person is like really into kink. Like it, not just, you know, kind of garden variety BDSM or whatever but yeah when they were building that suspension rig I came home one day from work and they were like hey can you come in here and help me with this and and they were like trying (laughs) to support the structure and and had me help them put it together it was it was a whole thing but (laughs) they're actually a shibari expert and they travel around the world like learning from experts in the field so that was kind of an interesting place to start just like learning about kink and, and non-monogamy from
2: kind of that fly-on-the-wall
1: perspective.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Or especially f- since, fly
3: on the other side of the wall.
2: Yeah, <laughs> 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 especially since it's something that you two have been somewhat interested in, at least learning a little bit more about. And here is a situation where it's like right in front of you.
1: Yeah, definitely. So they actually invited us to go to a show called Body Storytelling. So it's this show in the Bay Area. You're nodding your head, so I'm assuming. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, we've heard of it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
3: yeah. But yeah, go ahead. Maybe explain it really quick for anyone who's not familiar, because it's actually a really cool resource.
1: It is. Yeah. So body storytelling, I mean, they used to be an in-person live show, but they have a podcast that that complements the the show. They describe themselves as the moth for perverts. So it's like live storytelling. Uh, stories revolve around sex, kink, gender, kind of that whole spectrum of of things. So this roommate that we were living with actually took us to our first body storytelling show. And it was really Eye-opening, I guess you could say, because we were, we considered ourselves to be sex positive, but we had never been in a group of just like totally open, sex positive people like that. And again, this was kind of like another culture shock moment where we're like, oh, like these communities are out there. We just haven't really been able to find them. And and so it it, it was kind of funny because they have a game that you play as you're waiting for the show to start they call it bango and it's like a bingo card but you have to go around and and meet people and it's like find somebody who has been in a threesome or find somebody who has this kink and so you fill out your card and you have the chance to win sex prizes and, mm-hmm. and sex like sex toys and things like that so it was interesting being there for the first time and being really shy and uh, kind of afraid to go up to people and like talk to them about about stuff and then for us to look back now a few years later and the last body show we went to, we were who pe- other people were coming up to being like, Oh, I heard you did this. Can you fill out my card? So
3: <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of just become, fill out the whole you just fill out the whole card for them. Like, <laughs> whoop, whoop,
0: whoop. Yeah. I mean like you know, when we were going back in person it became a point of pride and we pick up a card and be like, Yeah, I got all these. <laughs> <laughs> They're
3: gonna amazing. have to implement rules where you're not allowed to fill out an entire card on a single person. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like you've progressed obviously so yeah. what maybe can you take us through because there's obviously a beginning right there was a this is our first time we're going to really jump into this like quote-unquote for real
1: and yeah so, yeah what did that look like well so I would say we have to credit psychedelics with that kind of jumping off point it was shortly after we moved in with this roommate that we tried psychedelics for the first time and It was this experience where it was like, oh, everything that I thought about the world is wrong. It was one of those experiences where, like, I started to question every norm I had ever learned and every rule or boundary that had ever been, like, set in front of me. But
0: yeah, I mean, just people who've gone through, like, the air program and all these, you know, anti drug stuff, you, you really get into that, like, propaganda. And then when you start breaking those walls down, you, like, once you start asking questions, you can't stop asking questions. And so it becomes like, oh, if this is this amazing experience that we can have, what other things were we just defaulting into that? Maybe like, you start to question like what you've always wanted, I guess.
3: Right, right, right. Yeah. And to clarify the the experience, and I don't want it to sound shamey at all, because we're like, we haven't actually done anything in the psychedelics realm, but we've researched it quite a bit. And for anybody listening that was is interested in there's a really, really Really good podcast by Tim Ferriss that I'll put a link in the show notes to where he interviews Peter Atia and they talk for like three hours about, about yep. their experiences and everything. So it's it's extremely fascinating. But just to clarify, your first experience wasn't like we you know we did psychedelics and then we went to an orgy. That wasn't what you were <laughs> meaning by like psychedelics helped you learn or break out of these norms.
1: No, it just it broke down the walls for us to be able to be honest with each other and be able to talk about what it is that we really wanted out of our relationship, out of, you know, just kind of our, our lives more more generally. And so that was kind of the first step in, I think, going from this fa- fantasy realm that we had always kind of put non-monogamy into. And then it gave us the, the tools and I guess the language to be able to say, okay, this is how like we can, we can start to really talk about this and, and be serious about it. So yeah. Yeah. So it no, yeah, was, I
3: like that. I was sorry I didn't was, even interrupt you. No no
1: no. <laughs> um, it was at that point that, that we then really started to think about, okay, what would this look like? And that was just kind of as Brennan was, was finishing up school. And so we were both finally done with school and we're like, okay, here's one, one thing off of our plate now we have a little bit more room to make this a reality. So once Brendan finished school, we actually started going to couples therapy. It was something that I had brought up at various points throughout our relationship. And for whatever reason, like both of us just weren't ready, but now this was 12 years into our relationship. And so we're like, okay, you know, we've been together a long time. Like even the non-monogamy stuff aside, like it would just probably do us some good to be in therapy and just like examine, you know, some certain dynamics about our relationship and and just kind of do a little check in and, and see how we're doing.
0: Yeah, that we had talked about doing it as not needing couples therapy is like the time that you should do it because like by the of time course, you need it, it's yeah. too late. And so it really became this idea of, you know, we were, we looked for someone who was sex positive and was, you know, positive with psychedelics, positive with kink and, you know, all that other stuff. So we could have this guide almost to, to help us through talking through all these emotions because like, we knew it was going to be hard.
3: Right. Yeah. No, I think that's just an amazing point that like you came to the show, like we need to go, we're going to go see this counselor or therapist, but it's not like we were having all these problems and this and this and this, and we just gave up and we had to go, right. It was like, we're doing the preventative maintenance, which is, is not something you hear often, which I think is really, really great. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We just, we wanted to have a space to be able to process the opening up of our relationship and know that that was going to be kind of like a safe container to be able to work through whatever, you know, hitches or anything that, that we came across. And, and so you know, I wouldn't say it was an ultimatum, but that was kind of like one of my stipulations of of deciding to open up. It's like, okay, if we're going to do this, we need to, you know, do it in a very intentional way. And in a way that's going to support our relationship and, and not, you know, divide it. So that that was kind of where where we started discussing it really.
2: Yeah. Right. Like it almost makes it feel like you're starting from a a safer spot, like because you have you open that container for conversations, and you know that no matter what, like you'll have that there.
3: That makes sense. And and in your discussions with each other, had you talked about what you thought it would look like? Because you know, a lot of times people they see they're like, "Well, we're going to do this," and I'm just going to generalize again, like we're going to do this in the swinging way because we don't want other feelings creeping in, or we're going to do this in the poly way because we need more feelings. Had you talked about what you two thought is like the right maybe blend for for you guys jumping off?
0: I don't think we even had the language to like do that yet. It was kind of, we still, I mean, also both of us went to Arizona. So our sex education wasn't super great. So like the relationship <laughs> models we had were so limited. So we knew, you know, we knew what, what porn was. And so <laughs> it was like, okay, we know, like, we know what threesomes are. Like that is kind of our base point of, you know, Chris is bi, identified as straight at that time. And so it was just, this is easy for us to look for, like we didn't even, I don't think I even knew what couple dating was at that point. And so the only avenue we knew was to go and look for, you know, the quote unquote unicorn. Right. Yeah. Right.
1: Yes. Yeah. So we actually started not to, not dating together. It was a couple of weeks after we started going to therapy that Brendan encouraged me to go on a date with a woman by myself. So we were just kind of starting slow and, Brennan was the first real relationship I'd ever had. You know, we'd been together for 12 years at that point. And so we just decided to to start there. And so I signed up for the apps, which was just a a bizarre experience in and of itself, because when we met, like Tinder wasn't a thing. (laughs) And, (laughs) And so like I was learning how to date, you know, at the age of 28 and ended up going out on a date with a woman. Uh, we went to a bar and ended up making out and, and had fun. But when I got home, I was like, "Yeah, that was fun, but I want to be doing this with you." And so we kind of had a conversation that, like, "Yeah, we we want to move forward with opening up, but we want to do it together." And and so, like, looking back on it now, like that was the first hint that like kitchen table poly mm-hmm. was was in our future, because it was, it was something that, you know, we'd always done everything together. And, and so it felt strange doing something just by myself.
2: Yeah. And just for people who haven't heard that term before, do you mind explaining what it means to you?
1: Yeah, sure. So kitchen table poly is the idea that all partners can sit around the kitchen table and and be friendly, have have breakfast, um, chat with one another, even if those people aren't all involved romantically and or sexually. So, yeah, we'll we'll talk more about our polycule in a bit. But
3: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, so you yeah, have to back up though. Like that's super exciting, right? Because that's your first time. You've you've known you were by for let's say ten plus years at that point, but you'd never gone. You've never really acted on it. It sounds like that was your first date with a woman. That was your first anything exploring this side of of yourself.
1: Yeah, and it was it was interesting too because I remember the conversation I was having with her, and she was trying to suss me out. And like at the, at the time, I was like feeling really guarded, and and like oh this this woman doesn't really like believe in my queerness, or like you know she thinks I'm just out here trying to to find a unicorn for me and my husband. And so like, I felt like I had to defend my, you know, my reason for, for going out with her. But it was exciting. It was nerve wracking. It was something that made me realize like, oh, this is fun. Like, I I want to keep exploring this. So yeah, I was I was excited to bring that back to Brennan. And, and with this realization that like oh this is fun we should we should be doing this together
2: yeah and Brendan on your side like how did you feel with her going out that first time
0: it was interesting so I work I work for a hospital laboratory so I work night shifts and so it was really odd being at work while Krista was on this date and but I mean part of it was just nervousness because you know wanted to make sure she's safe and you know it's been like first time out you know with all that stuff and just you know, the bar scene is not exactly known for its uh, wholesome vibes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I mean, it was just kind of like just waiting around, wanted to here. and then <laughs> you ended up getting a flat tire on the way, like from that date. And oh, so then it was that's like, right. It was it was a it was a weird mix of emotions, most of which were even around the date itself. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. it wasn't it wasn't bad. I think it was a good start. I think when we'll talk about this a little later, when we started solo dating, that felt more involved than in this for some reason and I'm not actually sure why.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, after this date, we decided okay, we're we're going to start dating together, but we didn't really know again how to go about it, what that that looked like. We signed up as a couple on Tinder. We didn't really know the different options for for non-monogamous folks in terms of the the dating app. So, we signed up on Tinder. We found a couple there. And actually had a pretty good first experience dating another couple.
0: Yeah, they were I think they, they started out non-monogamous from the get-go. They hadn't been together too long before we met them. but yeah, they, it was just a good overall experience. I mean we, we didn't know what we were doing, so it was it was kind of nice. They, they had a they had very minor experience as well. So we kind of yeah.
3: were learning off,
2: figured it other. out together.
3: Yeah <laughs> yeah. And so what, it, what did it look like? Was it because you had talked about, like, maybe we date the like we're looking for the unicorn, but it sounds like you went the couple route. And was it like we would all go out to dinner together and then we would go back and there would be whatever type of like, you don't have to get graphic or anything, but like what was the general vibe? Because it sounds like it was maybe a mix of, again, these broad terms of like the poly slash swinger, like kind of friends with benefits kind of thing.
1: Yeah, Friends with Benefits is is kind of a good way to describe it. We'd gone out with them a couple of times. We actually went out with them to Dan Savage's Hump Film Festival. And then they ended up coming back to our place. And that was the first time that we had all played together. And so, you know, we, we actually didn't have that many play experiences with them. We sort of... Like Brendan said, we we were kind of like learning off of each other. And though it was an overall good experience, I didn't have a whole lot of chemistry with the guy. And so it was something that I would say fizzled out moderately quickly.
0: Yeah. The physical relationship, we stayed friends with them for, for quite a while
3: after like we even helped them
0: move, you know, <laughs> you know, one of the benefits of being poly.
2: <laughs>
3: yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you had your first sort of dating thing with another couple and how did it, how did it progress from there?
1: Yeah. So from there we found another couple on, on Tinder. This is actually probably more in our blooper category, but <laughs> <laughs> it was an experience where they were brand new to it too. They had never played with another couple here. We are coming off of our first experience playing with another couple. So we, we didn't have a whole lot of experience either. The woman was pretty nervous about it. And and looking back on it, there were like several red flags. And so our first time all playing together, she kind of has a freak out and excuses herself to go to the bathroom and then never comes back and so, yeah, it was this strange experience where we had driven like 45 minutes to, to go see them. And now like she won't come out of the bathroom. And, and so he goes in to check on her at first it was just like, Oh yeah, she's just, she's just kind of tired. And then after spending some more time in the bathroom with her, he comes out a second time and is like, no, you guys got to go. And so we're like picking up our clothes, like trying to get out of there as fast as we can. And as we are like pulling out of their driveway, he texts us and he's like, sorry guys, this isn't going to work. And just like totally blocks us. Like never heard from them
2: again. (laughs) Whoa.
0: Whoa.
2: (laughs) Whoa. So yeah, something, there was, there was some triggers there or (laughs) something, something happened.
0: Yeah, and that was an interesting experience because after our first couple, we were really engaging with our couples therapist about because, you know, he's so sex friendly, he was giving us a lot of the language. And so for that, that second couple that we played with, there was a lot of conversation beforehand about, you know, what are you into? Like, you know, we're, we're perfectly happy to stop at any point. We realize you're new, like we're we're new too. And there was all these communications that we set up and it just didn't work. <laughs> yeah. clearly.
3: yeah.
2: Yeah, that, how did you two feel coming out of that? Because that can be kind of a blow. Like you, you felt like you set everything up, right? Correct. Like in what "quote unquote" correctly. Like you had tried to set the container for the conversations and everything.
1: Yeah, it was definitely an experience that kind of shook us up a little bit. And I was, I think, I was especially shaken up because. I had really great chemistry with a guy like we had been flirting a lot and and it was interesting coming off of that from our first couple where the guy and I didn't have a whole lot of chemistry so I was like oh man here was this this thing that was like awesome for me but now it's gone and and so like obviously it all worked out for the for the best because you know, they clearly weren't ready, but it was strange because as Brennan said, we thought we did everything right. We thought we had like communicated that like we were fine to, you know, go as far as everybody was comfortable with and and that didn't work out. So I think, you know, we we took that as like a major learning experience and we're like, well, you know, clearly she wasn't ready the whole time and we really just weren't listening to that because I think we were we were sort of like, laser focused on, you know, <laughs> <one> <laughs> well, thing,
2: you're excited.
3: But yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's funny that your second time really meeting another couple, you're essentially the veterans because you've had one experience <laughs> under your belt. And I would say that now coming out of that, I think it's hard to call yourself a veteran of this unless you've had a terrible, like freak out experience like this. So I think you got some stripes for that one. So I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> That's exciting because we got a lot of those early. We got yeah. all of our <laughs> our um, medals early on.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, we definitely felt like we grew a lot after that first experience.
0: Yeah, I think it's one of those things, and I, I think uh, you see a lot of this in the single realm too, for Polly and, and just not in in general. But the the more you do it, it's easier to spot the red flags a lot earlier. And it for was sure. it was good getting that like what you're saying. It was good getting that out really quickly because now. You know, now it's first date we can we can spot these things. And it's like, oh, we, we need to talk a lot more before we go any further. Right. Right.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And sure. it's not that those are disqualification, you know, things. It's we need to focus on that. We need to find more. We need to learn more. Like just because there is a red flag or an orange flag, it doesn't mean like you're never going to see that person again. It just you're a lot more careful around it, I would guess. Yeah.
1: Definitely. Yeah. And also
3: like the time to
0: have difficult conversations isn't when all your clothes are off. <laughs> That's a very valid point and (laughs) very, very very
3: sage advice.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So at that point, we still hadn't discovered where to find people. Tinder was not really yielding a whole lot of results. And we ended up signing up for a swingers website, which is where we met the third couple that we, that we played with. They were a little bit older and were definitely strictly swingers, but <laughs> they live close by. And, <laughs> and you know, we, we'd, we'd gone out with them and had a good time. You know, the conversation was interesting and, you know, they were definitely interested in us. So we ended up playing with them after a couple of dates and... Like I said, they were very strictly swingers. At the last minute, they they sprung on us like, oh, by the way, we we don't kiss. And so we're like, oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah,
0: that was quite the, like, uh, uh, I don't know what to do (laughs) without that.
1: This was like literally as we were in their bedroom taking our clothes off. (laughs) And so... After that experience, they they also had to kick us out because their son was coming home from work and like didn't know that you know his parents were swingers and and so we we left that experience just kind of feeling like huh okay that was fun but also not really what we're looking for like we we want something with more of a connection people that we can hang out with past ten o'clock <laughs> and and <laughs> and so that was really when we had taken a look at you know our experiences so far and said okay what is it that we really want out of this like what is it that we're looking for who are the kinds of people that we want to make these connections with and so that was when we started having kind of more solo dating conversations in addition to conversations around polyamory and kind of the more like emotional connections that we wanted out of the the people that we were dating.
0: Yeah, this is kind of when we got into our crazy research phase because I started reading like I read Opening Up and a few other books and now oh uh, Life on the Swing Set, you know, like all, all the uh all the classic, <laughs> you know, polyamory books and stuff. And it was really interesting. Opening up I think was such a great by right, Tristan know, great book mm-hmm. because it showed how many different options there really were and they really go in depth about too, like family you know what it's like to be a family what it's like to be in a commune like all this like stuff and i was like oh this all sounds like so great <laughs> like like what are we doing with this like the crowd that we're in
3: <laughs> you getting kicked out at 10 o'clock right like, <laughs> home and, and again no shade to like because we know a lot of people who are in those boats like it's a it's strictly a physical thing and that's what I, that works for them i would say maybe disclose the kissing thing before or you get people in the bedroom, yeah, that would be my advice there. Because hey. for
2: some people, that may be a deal breaker. Yeah,
3: yeah. yeah. So yeah. anyway, but yeah. So so you're looking for what's going to work for you, and you're thinking commune now.
2: <laughs> oh,
3: oh, totally. Oh
0: yeah. Oh yeah. We'll get there. <laughs> but yeah, but definitely, you know, definitely no no shade on the swinger community or anything like that. It just, yeah. it just I remember after that date, we were in line at like getting getting food, and we were just kind of analyzing like that didn't feel right.
1: Yeah, like it was fun, but it didn't have us excited to do it again. And so, you know, we're like, okay, what is it that we want? And what would get us excited about this? And and this was right around the time when we discovered Field, which is the app that we've used to find other non-monogamous people to date. And so we'd actually heard of it years earlier when it used to be called Thrinder, when it was like mm-hmm. just the threesome hookup app, but never had any luck with it. Just kind of like totally forgot about it. And then it was right around this time that we're like, Oh yeah, field is a thing. We should probably check this out. And so, yeah, I mean, you, you had a lot of luck on field like right away.
2: So I don't know if you want to talk about that. Well, at this point, had you decided to try to separate date?
1: Yeah. So we had talked about solo dating. We talked about continuing to date as a couple. And so we were just kind of, feeling open to like whatever kinds of connections that, that came up that was right around the time that, you know, you started really solo dating and yeah. So we we kind of had this interesting mix of like going on solo dates, but, but also we had started to find other couples that were like on our same wavelength in terms of what we wanted for like emotional and, and sexual connections. And, and so we started having a lot more luck on field than we did on Tinder or, or these swinging websites that, that we were a part of.
0: Yeah. We, we definitely spent the time on our field profiles, like huge paragraphs of like, you know, we finally had an idea of what we wanted and it was really nice to express that and have the language to put it into like, Oh, we want this. Like the, the term I have online is best friends with benefits. Cause that's kind of what we were looking for. These people that we can, hang around and play VR with, and, like, sex isn't even a thing because, like, who cares? You're, like, you're just hanging out and having the time, but also, like, you know, an orgy next weekend. (laughs) So Yeah, yeah. right? (laughs) (laughs) Yep. (laughs) So, yeah, so that started with, yeah, so I was on, we we did Field and then a couple other apps, but I think it was mostly Field. But that's, yeah, we both kind of started solo dating at the same time.
3: Yeah, what was that like? Because, Krista, you'd been on a solo date before, but, but Brendan had not, so how did... How did it? How did the experiences go? Maybe your first solo date with another guy, Brendan's first solo date with another woman, like how or or whoever the you know whatever the people are. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think there were definitely some growing pains involved with with solo dating. It was just like a totally new realm for us, and you know I think it was something that we both wanted, but we again didn't really have the language to be able to to talk about it and and so i think a lot of our experiences have just been learning by doing and then when you hit like a wall or a boundary taking a step back and being like oh that didn't feel good like wh- what's going on there so it it took some i think trial and error to to kind of figure that out there there were a couple of solo dating experiences where i think we we each felt Jealous isn't the right word, but but there were some kind of mixed emotions to work through.
0: Yeah, it's interesting, especially for us when we didn't kind of we weren't dating in the age of the app, you know, lifestyle. And so when we first got on there, just it was hard to deal with the uh, how it's not commensurate. I mean like at first it felt like, Oh, Krista was getting all of this attention and she was like, had all these potential and like, you know, it's just, it's hard and it's harder for, for men in general. And I'm not going to make this a weird men's rights thing. Cause that's like, definitely not that, but, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's a numbers game. And so there's, it's, it's, you have to be very active on those to do it. And it wasn't as fun to do that, to, to be constantly sending out messages and constantly waiting to hear back. And so it was easy to feel like, Oh, Chris is going on a date and I'm not that, sucks. And then having to like, sit with those emotions at home and kind of deal with that. So that was definitely difficult at first.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I think just the idea of like you having sex with somebody else that I wasn't involved with was just kind of a, a strange experience for me and something that I had to, to really sit with. Because at that point, we would really, you know, only had three or four experiences playing with other couples together. And so we were still kind of, I think what it came down to is we were still very much exploring like what sex with other people meant. And so, you know, we were still trying to figure out like, what sex meant between the two of us when it was just, the two of us and what it meant when we were playing with other people, what it meant when we were like apart from each other. It was just a lot of, of figuring that out. And, and so I think, you know, when we were when we were solo dating, that was a big growing, growing period for us because we had to kind of confront that and, and come to terms with well, just because he's out having sex with somebody else doesn't mean that he wants that more or that he's not going to come home to me or, you know, anything like that.
0: Yeah, it was definitely interesting putting, because we had been talking about this for months, but putting that into practice was also, you just can't kind of prepare for that. And it it was really good to be able to take that also back to couples therapy too and be able to process those emotions both together and with this independent third party who could analyze like, because uh, our therapist always says, you know, I'm not here for either of you. I'm here to like represent the relationship, and that's always felt like very strong in that in that space. Because like he is always advocating for whatever both of us want, mm-hmm. right?
1: Yeah, and so from there, I think we we knew that we wanted solo dating to be a part of of our open relationship, but we were also still. Again, we didn't have the language for this at the time, but we were we were still searching for this like kitchen table poly model where like we didn't necessarily have to be involved with each other's partners, but we wanted to be like on friendly terms with them. And so some. That worked for for some of our so- solo partners more than others, and and so I think just as we continue to date more people and, and get more experience, like we were able to see, like, oh, we we want just this big, open, happy, like hippie commune type <laughs> community where where we're all just kind of open with each other.
0: Well, and we kind of fell into that by accident. So the first guy that Krista ever went on a solo date with, so they went on their first date, and went well, we, and we talked about it. And we had got we had planned to go to a poly happy hour the next day, and he was also going to be there. <laughs> and so it was this moment of like, oh, I guess I'm I guess I'm going to meet your your par- partner today.
1: <laughs> you call him a partner, but we'd been on one date. At well, but <laughs> still, <laughs> yeah. So so that happened, and then the second person that I went on a solo date with. Brendan and this first guy were actually hanging out at the time that I was on this other date. and so it it just was kind of this weird thing where where we were sort of enmeshed in, in each other's dating lives and figuring out that like that was something that that we liked and and so as we, continued we we started kind of veering away from solo dating at that time we had a few experiences like separately but then started having a lot of luck finding other couples together and so that was when we met Jason Julie and kind of found this perfect combination of this other couple that that we liked spending time with together but also they they solo dated individually. And so we, we kind of got the best of both worlds where the four of us would all hang out, but also we would we would go on these individual dates with them. And
2: so that, that was kind of like, oh, this is really what we want all along. Just for context, like how long ago did you guys meet them? When was this in your journey?
0: Oh, it was May of 2019.
1: Yeah. So we had opened things up at the beginning of 2019. We had, you know, a few, a few experiences between then and May and then met Jason, Julie. And that was, that was kind of like our first like real poly experience, I would say is, is meeting this other couple that were looking for the same things that, that we were. And, and we just kind of vibed on that level.
0: Yeah. There was such this instant connection of, because like we were all looking for the same thing. They were they were brand new to it too, but were those people that were really good at communication and just game for everything. And so I remember we were we had like our group chat going and we were like, Oh, like what do you guys feel about solidating? And they're like, Oh, let me check.
3: Okay, yeah, yeah, we're good with it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: they they were willing to try it. <laughs> yeah.
3: And so how did things progress with them? And then maybe spoiler, you have arrived at a ten person polycule. And a very large kitchen table is, is sort of the the ultimate, the apex of where you reach. But h- I mean, how do we kind of get there from beginning 2019?
0: Well, I think like once we knew, once we had that gold standard, it was really easy. It seemed like it was really easy to, to pinpoint what that was going forward. And we, we got really good. I mean, obviously we had a lot of first dates and second dates that didn't, didn't go long sure. term. But, you know. We got that vibe so well from them right away that you kind of recognize that feeling, and so we would go in these cu- these dates with new couples, and just that like connection would be right there. And be like, oh, like you guys are going to be part of it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. So we we continued to meet new couples over the next six months or so, and had kind of this interesting like network of of people that that we were starting to date more long-term, but they hadn't all met each other yet. And so we knew that all of these people would get along really well. We just needed an occasion to kind of bring them all together. And so we went to another Hump Film Fest in November and we just we invited everybody. We're like, you know what, this is a perfect occasion to, to get together. We're all sex positive. We all like porn. Um, let's let's do this. And, and so we invited everybody that we were dating at the time to come to the film festival with us and went out for beers afterwards, um, talked about the, the films, just kind of it was sort of like a get to know you. And that that was pretty much the origin of, of our polycule we all kind of left the bar that evening and, and people were like, Hey, we should keep in touch. And we're like, yeah, let's, let's do that. And and so we created this big massive group chat called
0: epically non epically
1: non monogamous. That's, that's, a, <laughs> that's a credit to Brendan, but, but yeah. Yeah. So, so that was kind of the moment where we had been able to bring everybody together, you know, not everybody from that night stuck around, but the ones who did like, they, they
3: all vibed and, and have become what what is now our polycule. Yeah. And so you were sort of the, the epicenter, right? Everybody was, their common contact point was you, like they were orbiting you guys and you brought them all together. And had you started over that like six month period, like I, I think maybe people, you hear people often talking about how difficult it is to find a four-way connection that like, it's very, very difficult. And you guys are like, Oh, we just brought all 12 of our couples who we had four way Mm -hmm. connections with. And there's probably a lot of people like smashing their car radio (laughs) (laughs) right now. So like, were you, were with all of these couples, were you like, was it a four way dynamic or were there variations of two of you, three of you, four of you?
0: It was different for every couple really. Cause like you mentioned with uh, Jason, Julie, there was definitely this, you know, the four of us and the two and two and then the three, like we all have all these configurations with them, but with the other two main couples that are part of a uh, PIP, like th- those were definitely more two on two only. Um, I mean, we, we have, we have individual uh, interactions as well, but we, you know, there's no solo dating with them. It's definitely these interactions, but we, we, yeah, when it came to bringing everyone together for hump, we didn't know what was going to happen. It was kind of just like, you know, this is a fun porn thing. Like if everyone doesn't like it, they can always just leave afterwards, you know, it's a movie. So <laughs> like people are forced to get along, but it was, I remember like, looking at Krista a few times during when we were at the bar afterwards, be like, Oh man, this is working like so well. <laughs> Everyone's getting along. And it's just like, we, we didn't have to keep it going. There was no, you know, like how, when you're, when you're at a party with someone that you don't know everyone, you kind of talk through the person, you know, and there was like none yeah. of that. There was like things going on that we weren't even a part of. I couldn't keep track of all the conversations going.
1: <laughs> yeah. But, but I think to go back to your question though, like, to be honest, we just, we got really lucky. And part of that, I think has to do with how upfront we were with the the folks we were dating about like what we wanted and, and just kind of what we were looking for. And, you know, there was plenty of finding what we didn't want either, but like, you know, those conversations either fizzled out or, you know, there weren't second dates or, or things like that. And, Yeah, I I can't help but attribute some of it to, to luck because we just have a really great group of people. And I don't really know what else to say other than that because they just there was kind of like that instant chemistry and regardless of, of the dynamics within the four of us, whether, you know, we date them as a couple or date them individually, like it just, it was kind of this vibe that we got that like, Hey, you're, you're one of our people, like you're, you're kind of part of our tribe. And, and so I, I guess part of that is because we live in the Bay area. And so there, you know, are a lot more openly non-monogamous people here. There's a bigger pool to choose from, but
0: well, like I mentioned earlier, we, we spend a lot of time on our dating profiles too. So like, if you, if you read everything that we, especially from what we've both written, you're going to, you're going to get a good, a good vibe of what we're looking for. Like kitchen table poly is in there at least once. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. all these things that it, it, I feel like f- for the people that read profiles, at least that you're, it's going to, people aren't going to want to connect with us unless they're looking for that. Right. That community. Right. Right.
2: So then leaving that night were you two like ecstatically excited, you know, like ecstatic about what just happened? I'm curious how you guys felt.
1: We were so stoked. I mean, we couldn't wait to get everybody together again. Obviously it's super difficult to coordinate that many schedules. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so, you know, that has always been a challenge. But we managed to get together in person one other time um, before COVID hit. And so it was just after New Year's. And we were actually able to bring more people to that one because there were some folks who we were dating at the time that couldn't make it to hump. And so we were able to have an even bigger get together. And yeah, I can't describe it. But when we get together as a group, there's just like, this buzzing that i feel because the dynamics between everybody are just so amazing i don't know how else to describe it it's like a really cool feeling to know that like we brought all of these people together and now they're friends some of them are dating now and and it's just like that sense of community is really what we've been looking for this whole time like Brendan and i don't have very strong friend groups outside of, of Polly. And, and so really we have been looking for this deep sense of community the whole time. We have created like friends and as Dan Savage calls it, like you, you know, your logical family. And so that is what we were able to create. And and that's just been a really cool feeling.
0: Yeah. That last meetup in January, which of course is even more sad now that we can't do those, but (laughs) We had like 15 people. I mean, give or take. That's kind of where our, what our polycule was at pre, pre COVID. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we, it was interesting that the, the Hump meetup was not a fluke that we brought in, you know, we had the same people from Hump, but we brought in, you know, more people that we were dating. And just it, it, again, they, they fit in right away. There was, um, a single woman we were dating who lived like on the East Coast that she happened to be in town for that. And like even she fit in. It was just this, again, like, I don't know, like luck, I think is just the, the right word to that.
3: This, this yeah. mesh with these, have you taken any of these relationships or have, mm-hmm. have either of you had to confront feelings of like you said, best friends with benefits, but have either of you had to confront, like, I think I'm falling in love or they're falling in love, but I'm not, or they fell in love with me. Brendan fell in love. Mm-hmm. I didn't fall like any combination of like having to confront these deeper feelings that, that can inevitably come up
0: we were definitely having that conversation because Jason, Julie have been the couple we've been seeing the longest, I mean, year and a half now. And we were, I think we were starting to have that cause we were spending a lot of time with them. It was like, we have keys to each other's places kind of, kind of relationship. And, but then he, again, with, with COVID hitting, it really put a damper. It's, it's really hard to like focus on like how you're feeling about relationships when there's just yep. bigger stuff going on. Yeah. But I feel like we were definitely starting to breach what that meant.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't know. We, I would say we haven't really had to confront that in in a major way yet. It's sort of been this experience where we have these deep feelings for the, the partners that we have, but it's maybe it's just because we've done a lot of this work like in therapy to build off of our foundation, but none of it has ever felt threatening. You know, I think we have both gotten caught up in NRE and, and, you know, can have found ourselves distracted at times with, with other partners and things like that. But I think by this point, we have done so much to put into the just solid foundation of our own relationship that it hasn't been a conflict, at least not in any kind of major way.
3: Yeah. And you two seem Like obviously fairly well in tune, like even from the beginning before you started doing the couples therapy and just like you seem to communicate well, you seem to be very aligned and grounded in everything. Have you seen in each other like maybe one or two things that you would say like over the last whatever, four or six years that like major like areas of growth or or in yourself, like ways that you feel you've grown and changed and really come into your your own.
0: Yeah, I mean, that was like February or so, which is around my birthday. And I remember talking to Krista, just around the kitchen table or something like that, just the two of us. And I remember saying something along the lines of, I've never felt more myself than I have at this moment. And I've been able to explore my, like, my queerness and just all these things that just were, I can't even picture the person I used to be because of where we're at now. And realizing that, I've always needed this and didn't know it. And I, I don't know where we'd yeah. be now if like, if not for that.
1: Yeah. I think it took me a little bit longer to feel comfortable within a polyamorous identity. Like we had, you know, pretty early on decided that we were going to be poly, but I didn't feel like comfortably inhabiting that identity for quite a while afterwards. It took me a little bit more time than I think it did for Brennan to to say like yes, I'm Polly and like I'm proud to be Polly. Like it took a lot more internal work for for me to sort of re-examine like all that I had ever thought about monogamy as kind of like a default or like the standard. And and so for me it has has been just kind of a whole reexamination of like what I I knew gr- growing up and what I used to think is important, and now I think just as as people, we are a lot more open to trying new things and open to communicating about what we want. And yeah, I, I think that has been one of the biggest differences in each other.
0: And I think it's translated beyond just our sexual identities and all this stuff too. It's just I'm. I personally feel more confident to just want what I want in like in life in general. And it kind of you know, gives you confidence to, you know, again, being naked in front of a group of strangers, like is pretty hard to do. And so like, Oh man, I can go get my PhD, whatever. that's nothing.
2: <laughs> Right. <laughs> Cause I got naked. Yeah.
3: yeah. It, <laughs> wanted, it all starts with getting naked.
2: <laughs> right. I wanted to see if both of you could touch on a little bit, like COVID has happened and it has been a tough like transition for a lot of people in many different ways, but like how you guys were just getting going with this group of like finding your tribe and then COVID happened. And like, how has that shift and what is, what has this year looked like for you two?
0: Yeah, it's been hard.
1: <laughs> it has been hard. You know, we went from forming this amazing group and really getting a taste of like, this is what we've wanted all along. And then having that just kind of like ripped out from underneath us. So that, that's, that's been a challenge. You know, we, we actually, we went to Seattle at the beginning of February with two of the couples within our polycule. And so we did this like getaway. We actually think we contracted COVID on that trip. We all came back and we're just like sicker than we'd ever been in our lives. <laughs> and then, you know, we were all like separated for for quite a while and, It was really disorienting because we had, like I said, finally found exactly what we were looking for. And then we couldn't, we couldn't see each other in person anymore. And so we had originally planned to get together again as a group in April. We had finally settled on a date for, for our next meetup. But then once the pandemic hit, we had to rethink what that would look like. And so we did a virtual meetup in April and that was the date that Polly in Place was was born. So we had just kind of been checking in with each other. Everybody was feeling just like really disoriented and isolated, and and we were were sort of just kind of like, what the hell? What do we do? And so it was through talking to everybody that we're like, you know, I wonder how other Polly people are doing in in all of this, and and how they're getting through it. And it was in just those conversations about you know, community that we said, wouldn't it be cool if we had a place to document these experiences and had a place where other people could share their stories of, of what's going on for them through the pandemic and just as a poly person in general. And we kind of did, did some some research and looking around and hadn't really seen something that, that we were we were thinking about. And, and so we're like, okay, I, th- I think, I think we've got something here. So we, we sort of started talking through it and, and developing the idea further. And, and that was where, where Polly in place came from was, was sort of this need to make meaning out of all of this, this whole experience that we had been through and, and just trying to grapple with all the challenges of, that the pandemic brought.
3: Yeah. And so what is, maybe, can you explain what the, embodiment of poly in place is and uh, like how it looks what it is how it functions and and where it's kind of gone since april
0: yeah like krista was saying we kind of we had this this april meetup and it kind of turned into this like oh we should meet up once a week and then just checking with each other and then it became like we spent most of our time just kind of discussing like how we were doing throughout the day like there's so many i mean as you guys know it's been so many months now but like there were so many changes, like working from home and like, you know, you think you love, your, you know, you love your partner a lot, but having to spend 24 hours a day with them all the time really starts to like, oh, I didn't realize that you were like annoying. <laughs> <laughs> and, and there was just all these new life experiences that we were all kind of experiencing. And Krista and being a writer, it was easy to tra- make the transition like we should put this down like we should we should write this down so that way. You know, the human experience is, if it's one thing, it's not unique. And if if we're experiencing this, there must be other people too. And, you know, spending this last year learning how big the poly community is, especially in the Bay Area where we're at, it was we wanted to share what we're going through and hopefully be a platform for other people to share what they're going through as well.
1: Yeah. So our sort of mission is to provide visibility and representation for polyamorous and non monogamous folks. And, you know, like Brendan said, I'm a, I'm a writer and the best way I know how to tell stories is, is through writing. I actually sort of had this fantasy when we first opened up our relationship to create a podcast, like documenting our experience of, of opening up, but I'm not a podcaster. So that didn't really pan out, but I was, I was writing a lot and I was taking notes about like, uh, the things that I was feeling and ex- experiencing. And then once the, the pandemic hit, I was like, okay, well, We we should do something with this, and so the website itself is sort of—it's a blog, and it has kind of these different dimensions. You, I would say, so there's a place where people within the Polycule have written about their experiences in the pandemic. And so that's kind of the the main focus of the website. But then we have these other facets that we hope can be good resources for poly and non-monogamous folks. We have an advice column called Ask Poly, where some of the, the people in our polycule have answered the more common questions that they get about being polyamorous. We also have a section called Poly Promotes where we're sort of keeping an eye on just things that other people in the community are doing and, and trying to promote their work because, you know, we get how hard it is to be a content creator and, and want to, you know, signal boost people that are are doing good things and bringing good, you know, visibility and representation to the community. But really what we are hoping for and and are striving for right now is building our, our base of stories, not just within the Polycule, but we hope that the folks reading our, our stories will submit their own as well. And, and so we kind of have this grander vision of building this Kind of catalog of of stories. One one of our early inspirations for this was Humans of New York. I don't know if you're familiar with mm-hmm. that that series, but that I think was was kind of our, our genesis. And, and was like, what if we had this kind of Humans of New York style blog for poly people? And so that is is kind of where we hope to take the the project long term is is building this kind of database of of all of these different user submitted stories.
3: Yeah, I love that.
2: It sounds amazing.
3: Yeah, and again, visually speaking, it's a stunning website. So, if, <laughs> yes. if for no other reason, you should definitely go and look at the website because it's awesome. <laughs>
2: links to everything will be. Yeah, in the links show notes.
3: are in our show notes as always. I, I did have a couple other questions. If if you're okay with them, mm-hmm. you kind of glazed over very quickly, Brendan. That you mentioned your queerness and I wanted to maybe ask if you could dive into that a little bit and what that sort of what that means to you and what you've learned about that over the last couple of years.
0: Yeah, it's been a, been an interesting journey. It's been actually kind of hard finding queer men in the poly space. There's, I mean, you know, the, the stereotypical bi woman straight guy is definitely a thing, but it kind of just started even with our first couple being you know, I was never really did, didn't do much sports and stuff in in school. And so like my exposure to being around like other naked men wasn't a thing. And so having that place where I could be comfortable and, you know, being with Krista obviously like helps because like, you know, a uh, foundational place and being able to kind of explore that space. And even though most of the couples, especially in the beginning we were seeing were, you know, very straight guys, it was still the comfort of being in that space started it. And then as we've kind of progressed further, we've been able to find couples with bisexual men, or at least, you know, heteroflexible men that I've kind of been able to like push that boundary a little bit more. But it's, it's been, been interesting because I definitely was raised in such a place where that even asking those questions wasn't really on the table.
3: Yeah. 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 No, that makes sense. And I think, thank you for speaking to it because it's, I think one of those things that it's almost like you don't, it sounds like for you, well, for Krista, right, she knew from a very young age, like, I'm bisexual. And whether she had physically explored that or not, she still knew. And it sounds like for you, it was sort of this awakening of, like, you start to be around other people and you start to, like, question things and think about things. Becoming in a little, more comfortable. Yeah, thinking about it in a little different way.
1: Yeah, and I'll just say, for me, that has been a really fun part of this process because, now I'm like, oh, we're both queer. That's really cool, <laughs> and and so it's been this thing that we can relate to, and so you know, we can talk about the jitters that that come with like playing with somebody you know of your same gender for the first time, and and just like it has been really fun to see how that has also contributed to like Brendan's self confidence, and and just kind of, I feel. It has been special to be witness to that journey. And so that has just been kind of a fun bonus to all of this different exploration that we've been doing.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. Thank you for sharing.
2: No, I love that, too. You said you had another question, though.
3: Yeah, but it's your question. So I feel bad taking it. But have <laughs> since you it sounds like this has obviously become a very large part of who each of you are. Have you shared this with your family, and it sounds like you said you don't have a huge friend network outside of Polly. But have you shared it with people outside of the community?
2: That was actually going to be my next commun- next question. Well, so. you got to speak up. <laughs> I, I was letting you, you step talk. up
3: to the plate. <laughs> okay. I mean, yeah, sure, I'll start. Yeah,
0: I, I mean, I am just one hundred percent open. Like, I am lucky enough to work in you know the medical field, which is relatively open in terms of that. And so, I don't. I mean, I'm not going around like flaunting it, but. If people, you know, I'm very open about it. I'm very, you know, I have my, if I wear a rainbow bracelet, like it's not, it's not hidden, that kind of thing. People at work know f- for the most part that I'm some version of Polly, you know, not everyone knows everything. Um, I did end up telling my mother both about my queerness and poly, and she didn't quite understand it, but was accepting.
2: That's good. Yeah. I mean,
1: <laughs> and for me. So my brother knows. My brother is kind of like our OG poly person because he has been non-monogamous for far longer than than we have. And so it was kind of cool to be able to talk to him about it as we were as we were going through it. And and in addition to our therapist, just like having somebody else to kind of bounce thoughts off of early on in in our journey. I don't talk to either of my parents about it. They may know just based on i i don't hide what i what i write about like i share openly on my social media channels all the different writing i do so i'm sure that some family friend has probably like picked up on it and like brought that back to them but if that's happened they don't bring it up to me so i don't know it's one of those things that we just don't talk about but Yeah. Like I said, I, I write about it pretty openly. I share my writing openly and the friends that I do have, my former grad school colleagues, you know, they all know, and and they're very supportive and, and it's nice to have people to share that with outside of the poly community and and have them say like, yeah, what, what you guys are doing is really cool and, and it's really neat to read about. And, and so that has been really encouraging.
3: Yeah. Awesome. Sorry to steal your question.
2: It's all good. <laughs> Do you, as you, if you listen to the show, we'd like to ask about bloopers. You've already shared one. Do you have any others that you want to share? Do <laughs> we? We have we have a few. I, I
1: think the one we shared earlier is probably our more, most interesting one. Nothing else comes to mind. That.
0: Yeah, I mean that. I guess that's the uh, downside of you know to catch those red flags
3: early is is you don't get as many good stories out <laughs> Yeah, guess, well, well, yeah. we'd encourage you two to go and fuck some stuff up, so you can really <laughs> come back on and 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 make us feel better about ourselves. That
2: would be helpful. <laughs> that we fuck so much yeah, stuff helps.
3: up. <laughs> well, I mean, if yeah. we
0: um, if we get invited back, we'll try to make some mistakes before. Then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that would yeah, just sabotage yourselves for our benefit.
2: And actually, that leads me into another question too. Where do you see this going in the future?
0: Or <laughs> I guess the question is: Are we talking like?
3: within the pandemic or hopefully like after that's all.
2: (laughs) I I think, yeah. We're going to
3: assume that at some point the pandemic will be over.
2: (laughs) Yes. Yeah.
3: (laughs) You know,
0: I think that the pandemic has changed so much of that conversation. We, um, I'm actually planning on getting my PhD uh, next year. So that's going to put a wrench in a lot of this because that's going to require moving. But yeah, the, the idea of the, the poly commune farm has (laughs) kind of been a more real conversation than we ever really thought it would be.
1: Yeah. It's interesting because right before the pandemic hit, Brennan was accepted to program at University of Cambridge. And so we were actually looking at upending our lives and, and moving, you know, halfway across the world. And at that time we were having kind of these conversations about like, we've just created this this really great polycule, like how can we leave them? And now we've we've been able to stick around a little bit longer, but the plans for a PhD are, are still happening it's just gotten delayed a little bit and so it's just it's i think the pandemic has made us realize that you can't plan for the future no matter like how hard you try you know you can you can have goals and can have an idea of what you want but ultimately there are some things that are just like out of your hands and so you know we definitely see our our poly lives can continuing far off into the future, what that's going to look like exactly. I I don't know. But that conversation comes up in therapy sometimes where a therapist will, will ask us, you know, do you see being open as like a forever thing? And we're like, yeah, I think so. Like, I can't really see a situation in which we would ever like go back to being monogamous, at least for like long periods of time. So I think it's something that has become just part of our lives, whether we're able to date and, and see our other partners or not, it's, it's become more of an identity than, than something that we do.
0: Yeah. When we were planning on beginning, we didn't even, we were planning on our move to England. We were talking to a couple of our partners who are from England and like, oh, so what's the kink and poly scene like in the, you know, in the area. So it's, you know, and you know, they're always somewhere. And so <laughs> like we can, if, if, you know, I've heard about poly communities in the middle of like Ohio and Iowa. So I'm pretty sure we can, yeah. we can find something no matter where we end
3: up. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well,
2: And and thank you for saying everything and sharing everything you did today too. But I I think what you said at the end there about that you can't – like you can have goals and you can work towards things in your future. But ultimately, we all have to be flexible because sometimes things in life are outside of our control. But like the fact that you're always wanting to have those conversations and meet different people and just see where it goes is a really great attitude to have. Like I think – yeah, thank you for sharing that. That was my point.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, and like it was interesting too because when we were about to launch our website, this was we were talking in July and things were kind of starting to open back up again. We were having this worry of when you know kind of worry of like is 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 the poly in place even relevant anymore? Is the co- you know is COVID going to be over? And it's like that that I can't believe I even had that thought. <laughs> you know, not even a few months ago, and you know here we are still in the thick of it.
3: Yeah, and it sounds like too that the topics. And the stories that you can share will be relevant long beyond the end of a pandemic. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm.
2: for so. sure.
1: Well, yeah, and that was kind of everything. what we realized. And some of what we put on our website is that poly in place, it's you a know, play off of the term sheltering in place. But mm-hmm. in place came to mean so much more than just within the pandemic. We, we were kind of talking this through with with the polycule and, and in place. We want to examine what Polly looks like in everybody's individual situations and, and how it's situated for everybody. And, and so in place kind of became this bigger metaphor for just like what Polly's place is in, you know, the bigger community.
2: Yeah, I love it. And I think that, you know, the fact that you can always look back, it it originated from the shelter in place because that's what was happening in the world at that time. But that doesn't mean that you can't expand beyond that. And it, it, yeah, it'll be, I think it has a lot of relevance and a lot of amazing opportunities. And
3: if it is still relevant with regards to the pandemic in a year, it's your fault. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be taking that out on you.
1: We'll take full <laughs> responsibility for it.
3: Yes, we're certainly <laughs> keeping the, the pandemic going so, so our name is relevant. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, right. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you both for sharing everything with us. It's been an amazing conversation.
2: Was and Before we hang up, yeah. was there any last thing you wanted to say? Any last words, I guess? <laughs> Just that, yeah, we we talked about our, our website a little
1: bit. We inc- encourage people to follow us, all the social medias. We we have some cool things kind of coming for the website and our social media channels. You know, I, I mentioned these stories that we've been writing, but some of the people within our polycule are incredibly gifted visual artists. And so, you know, one of them designed our logo and the other created our website. You know, they they are just extremely talented people and so they are going to start uh creating imagery for the stories that that we've created so that'll start showing up on our instagram feed soon and we kind of hope to create this catalog of our written stories with these images and and hope that you know if anybody feels so inspired that they submit their own story or want to work with us on on imagery that they reach out to us for that as well. So that's just something that's kind of coming down the pipeline for for this project that we're really excited about and, and hope that other people, you know, will will want to to join us.
0: Yeah, I think we just encourage yeah. people to submit their own stories because, you know, we can you know, we are the eight people that we are, but we can only speak for the voices that we have. And we definitely want to read what other people are going through. And even if it's the exact same thing we're going through, like that's really affirming. And if it's totally different, that's, that's like great to, to read about too. And you know, yeah, this has been really hard and it's, it's like the more people we have together, the, the better it feels. Yeah, for sure.
2: Yeah.
3: Yeah. A thousand percent. So we, we definitely encourage people to check it out and submit all sorts of content to you guys because that would be amazing the the more resources out there the better that's our sort of our feelings on it and yeah
2: well thank you again that's
3: what as i said earlier
2: yeah (laughs) and we'll let you get on with the rest of your sunday yeah yeah thanks so much for having us
3: yeah it was wonderful thank you again
2: and we're back Thank you so much to Kristen and Brendan for reaching out and for doing the work you do in the community. Your blog's amazing and just coming on the show and being vulnerable with us. So we really appreciate it and we're excited to get your story out there.
3: Yes, absolutely. And for those of you who couldn't see them, which is all of you, I was just recalling that they did this interview in matching me undy's pajamas. They did. So... Something to uh, think about for the holidays if you need matching underwear, head over to Me Undies. <laughs> Definitely not sponsoring us in any way, shape, or form. Nope. But just thought I'd throw it out there because, hey, it's the holidays and...
2: They are we'll, fun company.
3: We'll share the love. Hey, we you know what? We didn't get sued by Subaru after we said share the love like 17 times. <laughs> Last week. Or a couple weeks ago, yeah.
2: <laughs> I guess that was a couple weeks ago. So well, that's, that's a good. bonus. Haven't gotten sued yet. Positive.
3: So we're going to continue sharing the love. Go get yourself some <laughs> Me Undies. <laughs>
2: Um, a few quick things to follow up. I know we mentioned at the beginning of the call, but we do have our Patreon community and we have monthly Q&As as well as men's groups, a women's group and a MeWe chat group for everyone as well. So if you're interested in joining all of that, we'd love to have you. Uh, we've been growing Patreon. Actually, it's really ballooned over the last few months. It's amazing. And the community is so supportive and just they're really incredible people.
3: Yeah, thank, thank you to everybody who's still listening who is part of that community. It has honestly been one of the highlights of our year. Uh, I think, you know, COVID has been a a total bitch all year long, but the the support that we found in that community and that we know others have found has been incredible. So, you know, again, just thank you to everybody for helping make that true. And if you're looking for a community, it's a really, really great group of people. So we, we would love to have you join us and check it out and see if it's a good fit. And if not, you can always leave. It's not, you're not locked in.
2: No, you're not. You Unless
3: can. you like to be locked in. We can, <laughs> we can do that, too. Yeah,
2: we can. To join, though, go to our website, normalizingnominogamy.com, and click on the Patreon button. Um,
3: You're just trying it? to think of ways to fill space?
2: No, I was to say next week. Next week. We have an interview with Giselle.
3: We do. And we will be cruising right into the new year. Well, almost.
2: Almost Pretty cruising right into the new year. Hey, don't
3: forget. Remember to send us those uh, voicemails. Yes, We love please. to get them. And we you will... Have Yeah, you're just going to talk over me? Yeah, I am. You have one
2: more week to get them to us. Um, Please send them. Maybe not a whole week. No, send them to us. Maybe a couple of days
3: early so Finn can edit them (laughs) and not have to be up till midnight on fucking New Year's. Let's say,
2: have them to us by the 27th, please.
3: There you go. Give them a deadline. Maybe that was, they were lacking structure Yeah, they were lacking
2: structure before. Okay. Voicemails to us by the 27th, midnight on the 27th.
3: Otherwise, Emma's going to lock you up and punish you.
2: (laughs) Oh no, they might want that. (laughs)
3: and it costs a hundred dollars an hour
2: (laughs) oh boy well stay tuned next week Giselle's interview is amazing and we're excited to get her story out there too so thank you everyone have a wonderful holiday week and yeah we'll see you soon